You are listening to the weekend message of Crossroads Church North Campus. Crossroads exists to make much of Jesus, and we do this by following in the way of Jesus and making disciples who love God and love others. To find out more about Crossroads, go to crossroadslive.com. Thanks for listening. Grace and peace. Let's live with courage, being knit together in love, with confidence in Christ, that whatever may come our way cannot overcome his cause, for he is king. He is the one who put all things in motion. So let us draw our confidence from him. This is why we must remember to treasure Christ, to know him and be known by him so we can better know when people are not of him. We are reading from Colossians 2, 1 through 5. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of a full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's good, good to be with you all. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Andrew. And this morning, we're going to be walking through Colossians 2, 1 through 5. And so I want you just to kind of keep your thumb there if you've got it open. But turn with me really quick to Proverbs uh, chapter 2. And I want to start by reading a large chunk of this. um, Because it just speaks to this idea of, of wisdom. Proverbs 2, beginning in verse 1, says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives Wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. From men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness. To walk in the ways of darkness who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are deviant in their ways. This invitation to wisdom is one that God offers us to us. But what's fascinating to me is that in this small device, right, that, that many of us carry around with us, 
With this one little device, I have access to more information, more books, more materials, more blogs, more websites than than has been possible at any point in human history. We've got videos. We've got information. What we once thought was impossible is becoming more and more possible. I love that wherever I go on here, I can have multiple versions of the Bible. I have study tools, powerful study tools that I can get into, commentaries, all sorts of great things that I have on here that can help me to know about who God is. The world around us is full of information. As a matter of fact, there are so many books that have been published over the course of human history that if you were to set out to read every book possible, you would have to read 1.7 million books a year for 79 years. And that's not including the books that are still to be published and come out. That means that we have access to information that we can never fully consume. All this to say is that we have information, but do we have transformation? Is it making us any smarter? Is it making us any wiser? See, I can go to WebMD and get a diagnosis, right? And usually it's never good. What starts off is like, I think I have a rash. Is like, oh, you need to go. You're dying now, right? And I can read through all that, but it doesn't help me to prevent or to care for what I'm seeing in my life. When I feel that there is an ache in my very being, that that something is not being satisfied in my life, I can pursue Google and do a quick search of how do I find happiness. I can go to Amazon and I can purchase something hoping that fills the void But what God is continually pointing us to is that there is a a better way. There is a way of of wisdom that we're all invited into. And what we will see this morning is that Paul is calling this out to this church that he is writing to, that he's seeking to encourage and build up, and he's seeking to contend for, that he's going to point them towards this, this way of wisdom. But it's not just for them, it's for us as well. So turn back, if you've got it, to Colossians 1, chapter 2, verse 1. And Paul is going to continue through his, his thought that he started, that we looked at last week, that Ryan walked us through this, this path that involves suffering and struggling. So just to get a running start, I want to go back a few verses and start in, in Colossians 1.28. It says, Him we proclaim, speaking of Jesus, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, Paul is saying. For this I, I struggle, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And then picking up in chapter 2, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So Paul begins with this idea that he's struggling for a people that he has not met. He's writing to the church in Colossae and he's wrestling for this region. 
Remember how close Colossae and Laodicea are. You can see on this map here just where they are. That there is these three towns about 100 miles from Ephesus, a major city. We have Hierapolis, Laodicea, and Colossae. And Colossae being the least of these three cities, once prominent, now a lesser city. And Paul is riding to this group that he's never been to. It's a place he's never been to, but it's a people that he longs to encourage and to build up and that he's struggling for. So let, let's look at Colossians 2.1. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. That word there, struggle, it's a, it's a word in Greek that's agon. Agon, it's the word for which we get agony. Agon is a word that means to fight, to battle, to contest, to contend. It carries with it the connotation of a, a disciplined fighter who put everything into gaining the prize. And so Paul is saying that he is struggling, that he is contending for this people that he's never even seen face to face, but he is fighting for them. He's putting all of his effort and energy into to these people that they may know Christ. This is the end he puts all his, his being towards. This is the supreme goal for which Paul continues to fight throughout his ministry. That all would experience the salvation that is possible in Christ and in Christ alone. And this struggle, this agon that he is agonizing over for these people. It's not just an internal struggle. Well, yes, there was the intercessory prayer where Paul was praying for them, but what we know is that there was an external struggle for him as well as he's writing this letter in chains. That life has not come easy for Paul. That he's experienced hardship and suffering, and yet he continues to see it as worth it to struggle that more may come to know Jesus. He's contending, he's fighting, he's contesting. What I love is that Paul is reminding us that the struggle is real. Every day when you wake up, you have things that are working against you as you pursue God's kingdom. I mean, again, we carry around a device that is designed to distract you. To pull your attention in every which way. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, you are overrun with voices that are pointing you in the way in which you should go. And some of you are just experiencing the, the tiredness of life. The, the idea of battling or contending for anything just feels exhausting with the little energy that you have left. And what happens is instead of being proactive within life, we find ourselves just sitting back and being reactive to life. Have you ever gone shopping when you're hungry in a grocery store? It's, it's not a good idea. Anytime we go to the store and we're hungry, it's like the budget's out the window, like the, the health food's out there. It's like everything looks good and needs to get into our cart now. And like we're eating on the way home from the store, whatever we've got. It's like all discipline goes out the window. And what Paul is pointing out to this church is that when you are spiritually hungry, 
you'll find that even junk spirituality looks good. That you're willing to grasp at just about everything, but that we are to contend, we are to, to fight, we are to give ourselves a chance to follow after Jesus with all that we have. So how are we to walk in this way of wisdom and to, to contend for our faith? See, for Paul, the, the fight, the, the struggle was for the hearts and souls of the lost. But he's also speaking and writing to the hearts and souls of those who are following after Jesus. He's contending for them. He's struggling for them. But why? To what end? Well, when we read verses 1 and 2 together, we get a fuller picture. It says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so Paul is contending for this church that they would experience a courage, that they would experience a, a connection, that they would experience a confidence in Christ. So let's, let's break this down. Let's look at, at Colossians 2.2, that he is contending, he is struggling, he's contesting that their hearts may be encouraged, that their hearts may be encouraged. Heart, this word in Greek, which is cardia. It's, it's used in the same sense that it's often used in the Hebrew scriptures. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. The heart is what speaks to the inner life of a person, their will, their emotions, their thoughts, their affections. And so here Paul is saying that your, your heart, that your heart may be encouraged. The word here for encouraged in Colossians, it has a number of meanings in the Greek. It means to, to comfort. It means to encourage. It means to call someone to oneself who you are to exhort. But I love how William Barclay states this, that underneath the meaning of each of these words, always behind it, there is the idea of enabling a person to meet some difficult situation bravely and with confidence. So Paul is looking to build up their hearts. He's struggling that their, their very being would, would have comfort as well as courage to go forward in the face of whatever opposition may come their way, to have courage in the face of the struggle and the contending to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. This is why Paul is contending for the Colossians. He's, he's speaking to them that they may have courage in their hearts. That they may be reminded of just who Jesus is and that he truly is as good as he claims to be. And therefore, following him is always going to be the best decision going forward. This is the way of wisdom, is to walk in the way of Jesus. When we gather in this space, when we come together, and we sing of Jesus and we, we look to the word and we remember who he is and we remember who we are in him. 
my hope and my prayer always is that we would take comfort in him, that we would take courage in him as we walk through life. Meaning that as we leave from this place, we are reminded once again that our, our faith is placed in the right object for the right reason and the right person to accomplish the right means and ends. That we can go forward in confidence of who Jesus is and who we are in him. Because what I know to be true is that we can come and we can be gathered and we can stir and we can sense that God is speaking to us and he's moving in us and then we walk out these doors and immediately, immediately everything we've experienced just wants to go away because something else more pressing and urgent has come. And for some of you, that happens even before you leave the doors. You start to feel your stomach rumble in such a way that it's reminding you that, oh, I didn't have enough breakfast this morning, and I'm a little hungry, and so I hope he hurries up so that we can get out of here and grab something. But here's what Paul is contending for. He's struggling for. He's, he's not allowing these distractions to, to push his thoughts away from Christ. And I feel this in my own bones, how often I'm reading or I'm studying or I'm spending time in prayer and I feel the very real battle that is taking place in that moment because suddenly my to-do list comes alive when I'm with the Lord. Like, oh, don't forget about this, don't forget about this. And it wants to pull me away from spending time in his presence, listening to what he has to say. I'm reading the word and it takes me way over here and suddenly I'm on Amazon and I'm buying a book and I'm like, what am I doing right now? Everything is competing with us and we have to contend to keep our minds fixed on him. And so Paul is saying, I am struggling on your behalf that you would have your hearts encouraged, your very being encouraged, for he is worth it. But that's not all. Paul is struggling. He's contending that this community would have courage, but also that this community would be connected. Colossians 2.2, 2, what, what does it say? It says, uh, being knit together in love being knit together in love. He wants that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, contending for this idea of connection. The word here for uh, being knit together, it, it means to, to stride together, to come together, to be instructed, to be bound as one. When I think of this idea of striding together, it means to walk in step with one another. Whenever Rachel and I are, are walking around or we're going for a walk through our neighborhood, at some point, it seems that all of a sudden, even our steps become in sync. And every time it happens and I, and I feel our steps moving at just the right pace and the right time, I think to myself, we would kill it in a three-legged race. <laughs> like, I just feel like we're built for it. We've just never had the opportunity. We've never had the opportunity. But when we're knit together, we're, we're bound together. And what Paul is reminding this community is that this is what we are to strive for as a community in Christ. That we are knit together. That we are bound in love to one another. 
I remember I was standing about 100 feet above the ground uh, in a canopy of redwoods. I was taking a tour in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and we were ziplining from tree to tree, and it was incredible. It was beautiful. It was exhilarating, and those moments where you kind of step off the platform, and you're like, why am I willingly doing this? And then you, you're zipping along, and you're like, this is unbelievable. But I remember at each platform we would get to, the guide that was there who was taking us along, he would share something about the trees that were surrounding us. And one of the things that always stood out to me was he was speaking about the fact that redwoods can grow to a height of over 150 feet, and yet rarely do their roots go deeper than 12 feet. So you think of this massive tree with these shallow roots, but what sets redwood trees apart is that actually their roots can extend out about 100 feet. And what happens is that they intertwine with the other trees around them, and they almost become as one. Now this image, as I'm thinking of being knit together in love, this is what Paul is speaking to that our roots are, are connected, that we're finding strength in one another where we don't have strength on our own, but that we're built up as a community together, connected by our roots in Christ. See, and this is what Paul is reminding them of. He's contending for them. He's struggling for them to, to walk in courage, to be encouraged, but to be knit together, to be connected in love. See, contending for community and connection is so important. We've done a really good job in the West of taking our faith and making it in an individual act. We've separated community out and just said, nope, I, I, I don't need anybody. But when we look at how Jesus lived his life, how Jesus discipled his disciples, it was always within the context of community. And we're to be known for our love for ourselves as his disciples? No, we're supposed to be known for our love for one another. To love one another, you need some others in your life. And so Paul is reminding them, you need to be knit together in your love. You need community around you. But what I also know to be true is that community is really inconvenient. Sometimes it's, just, it's, it's easier to, to go alone. I'll just do this myself. I don't need anybody else. That's the, the voices that speak into our head. I don't really need to go to this home group. I don't really feel in the mood to interact with anyone tonight. No one's going to miss me if I don't show up to my men's group. It'll be just fine. See, that's where the contention starts. That's where we have to contend and battle and struggle through. And, and some of you have just, you've kind of sat in your seat and you like your seat and you don't, you know, you kind of position yourself because you know not too many people are even going to sit around you in church. So when it comes to the meet and greet, all you have to do is this. You don't really have to talk, right? Some of you are like, how dare you expose my secret like that? <laughs> but Paul is contending that we be knit together in love. And the only way for us to practice that is in the context of community. And so if you find yourself here today lacking that, can I just encourage you to make a move towards community? 
to make a move towards another. Maybe that's jumping into a home group. Maybe that is a men's group, a, a women's group. If that's you and you just you need help figuring that out because sometimes you're like, I don't even know where I'd begin, let us be a part of that with you. Let us help and say, here's some options for you. Just grab that communication card that's sitting in that seat back right in front of you. Fill that out. Drop it in the offering box. And we'll reach out to you. You don't even have to reach out to us. And we'll start to take away some of those hurdles so that we can begin to have our hearts knit together in love. Because that's what we're called into as the community of Christ. But it's something we must contend for. It's something we must push forward for and pursue. But I believe that community is the soil in which we practice our faith. So let us contend for that connection and that community. Now, continuing on, Paul goes from contending for for courage, that our hearts would be able to move forward in the world around us, that we would contend for connection. And now he's next going to look at this idea of, of confidence and where our confidence comes from. Verse 3. So he said that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. There's so much going on here. But what Paul is contending for here is, is confidence that this community would reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. He's contending that this church may have full assurance, full certainty of understanding, comprehension, and clarity. Paul wants those who he is writing to to have confidence in who they believe in and why. And the the riches, the wealth, the abundance of this assurance of understanding is centered on the knowledge of God's mystery made clear, which is in Christ. Mystery. This, this word that Paul uses often, mysterion, was a, a word that was often used to describe a, a secret doctrine or, or someone who had a secret knowledge. In early cultic practices, uh, there, was, there was a promise of, of kind of a secret wisdom that you would have, but it was really only for those who were initiated, initiated and you would have to go to the, the people who were in the know in order to fully understand. And sometimes we talk around these things as though these kind of things happened way back then and they don't happen anymore. I have come face to face with this here and now. People who promise a special revelation that you can only get to the Lord through through what I have taught you and what I am proclaiming to you. And so you need me. Let me tell you right now, you need nothing but Christ and him alone. So anyone who comes at you with that and says, no, 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 let me tell you. You say, no, 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 let me show you scripture which says something very different. This mysterion, this mystery It was leaking into this false teaching that was coming to the church in Colossae. There were those who were claiming some form of a a secret knowledge. Some think it was a a version of Gnosticism. Others just think it was some uh, first century uh, false teaching. But here Paul is looking to encourage the believers in Colossae by saying, you can have full assurance and understanding because the mystery has been made clear in Christ. 
there are no secrets. There is no mysterious knowledge that you don't have access to. God has revealed himself and his purposes in Christ, and all are welcome to life in him. See, what Paul is doing is he's just eliminating all the hurdles, all the garbage that kind of collects in these conversations. He's like, no, 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 no. Let me just clear the path. Now, for those religious leaders claiming a secret knowledge that they were claiming to kind of have this one-upsmanship, this would have been devastating for Paul to be undermining because it would take away their prestige and their standing. It would take away their, their place. But again, even still, there's a warning here for us because we're, we're just as capable of, of complicating Christ. Because we can start to put rules about him in front of people before they know him. See, the aim is that we come to know him, that we experience him, that we receive the, the forgiveness and the freedom that he offers. We don't come to him in our perfection. We come to him with all of our problems and all of our brokenness, and he takes care of the rest. But sometimes we want to clean everyone up before they even get introduced to Jesus. And that's, that's the wrong order. And Paul is saying the mystery of God has been revealed in Christ. Clarity has come in him. We can make ourselves as the, the keepers of Christ instead of contending and fighting and battling to present the good news of Christ to all we encounter. And so Paul is saying, in this, this moment, he's making it clear that this mystery, if you want to know the answer to the riddle, it's Jesus. If you want to know the solution to the problem of life, it's, it's Jesus. That's who you go to. That's who you will find the answer in. And what he's reminding those listening is that they can contend for the faith with confidence when they have a right understanding of just who Jesus is and that our confidence is not in our own abilities, it's in his. This is why I love, if you've been reading along with us in our reading plan, we were reading in Hebrews this week. And Hebrews is just going to show us over and over and over again the greatness of Jesus. And from the very jump of Hebrews, we get this glimpse of just who we're talking about. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, what does it say? It says, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. That God has spoken with clarity through his son the heir of all things, the creator of the world, that we may know and be able to follow him. Again, this mystery that Paul speaks to so often, this mystery of Christ that's been revealed, it means that we all have access to life with God in relationship with him because of Jesus. And part of this mystery that Paul often writes in his other letters is that it's not just reserved for the Jewish people alone, but it's for the Gentiles and the Jew. It's for all who come to know Jesus. He is the guiding line, the plumb line for which all standards of following after God are measured. And so this mystery of God, which is in Christ, which is Christ, has been revealed. 
but continuing. In Colossians 2, 3, what, what does it say? It says uh, that we can have full assurance and understanding of the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What's the prayer that we've been memorizing and working on that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Here Paul is bringing that theme back out that we would understand that hidden in Christ are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Again, what Paul is is speaking against is any false idea that there's a secret club for those who follow Jesus. There is no hidden secret for only a few. The word choice that Paul uses here for for hidden, that word hidden, all treasures and wisdom and knowledge, is apocryphos. It was a word that according to to many first century scholars means uh, something hidden from common grace or something that was secret. It was also uh, the name that was given to a lot of the the Gnostic writings of the day that there was these mysterious writings that only those who were in the know could fully understand. Again, there was this kind of tier that was being created of those who had special knowledge and those who did not. By using this word in particular, what Paul is saying to all his, his detractors, uh, all who are listening, all the false teachers, uh, he's saying that all that you claim is hidden. All that you claim is mysterious. It's hidden in plain sight in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And all have access to that truth. This treasure is available to all who are in Christ. So when it comes to all this information that we have available to us, all of these books, all of these web pages, videos, uh, master classes, you name it, whatever it is, the podcast you're listening to, all of these things, they're not all bad, but the, the best thing for you is to go and to mine the treasure chest that is Jesus, in whom is hidden all wisdom and all knowledge. It starts with him, it ends with him. That's where we are to begin is in the treasure that is Christ. All treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom, Sophia, knowledge, gnosis, knowledge, this idea of discernment and understanding to have a grasp of something. And for Paul, wisdom is that steady growth in in the Christian knowledge of faith, that steady growth in following after Jesus with all that you have. This, This treasure chest that just has unending treasures to pull from. Again, the Gnostics saw their their view of life as having a, a secret knowledge. But Paul is saying that all treasure of wisdom and knowledge are found only in Christ. He is our treasure. He is the source. He is the way of wisdom. He is the way of wisdom. And so he's been contending. Paul's been contending, struggling for, for courage for those listening. He's been contending for, for connection. 
that there'd be community. He's been contending for confidence in just who Jesus is. And, and now he's going to continue to talk through uh, just how this, how this is so important in the context that he's communicating to. Colossians 2.4, say this, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Paul is saying, I'm, I'm reminding you of these truths. I'm contending for these truths in your life so that no one may delude you, delude to deceive or to defraud, may delude you with plausible arguments. See, this delusion that he's so concerned with with these false teachers, it's not accidental misinformation. This is intentional misinformation. This is persuasive speech. It's, it, and Paul's saying, I want to encourage your hearts. I want to strengthen you to walk forward and courage. I want you united and knit together in love with the full assurance and the knowledge of Jesus so that no one may deceive you, defraud you, or delude you with plausible arguments. I think it's interesting that he says that they're plausible arguments, meaning arguments which appear sound, which kind of catch us off guard and go, well, that does kind of make sense. And it's that pause when we feel that and we go, well, I kind of see where they're, they're going right there, where we need to pause ourselves and come back and sift that through Christ, the treasure in whom all knowledge and wisdom is hidden. And so Paul had a, a concern because sometimes bad theology sounds really good. And when you're spiritually hungry and you're looking for any glimmer of hope, bad theology can be masked in a, an emotion or persuasive communication or it can, can look good. You get the music going just right. The, the cadence of the speaker moves to that mighty roar of a lion and suddenly comes down with a whisper. You're like, okay, I'm tracking with you. I like this. And suddenly you find that you're drifting from the truth. It's amazing to me how often uh, the, a common enemy becomes a way in which we lose sight of our common goal in, in Christ. And that pursuit of, of that great enemy who's coming after us, we've got to do something about that enemy, and so we get all riled up towards that end, and we forget our cause for Christ. Yes, there is a great enemy, and he prowls like a lion. The great enemy is sin and death, and Jesus has conquered those once and for all, so let's not get distracted. Let's live with courage, being knit together in love, with confidence in Christ, that whatever may come our way cannot overcome his cause, for he is king. He is the one who put all things in motion. So let us draw our confidence from him. This is why we must remember to treasure Christ. To know him and be known by him so we can better know when people are not of him. Paul is reminding this church and us that we can be confident in Christ. And now he's commending what he has heard of this church from Epaphras. Epaphras, their, their pastor who's come to Paul and he said, this is what's going on. And so Paul's writing to them even though he hasn't seen them face to face. And, and verse 5, he says this, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit. This is a beautiful image that Paul is reminding us that we all who follow in Jesus 
all of us who have confessed our sins to him and believe in him, that we have new life in him. We have the guarantee of the spirit within us that unites and binds us together. So even though I'm absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit for the same spirit that resides in you resides in me. And we are contending together. And he says, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. And so again, Paul is calling out what he's hearing of their faith. That there's this good order and there's this firmness. These two words that are used for good order and firmness of your faith actually carry with it a a military connotation. Good order is this idea of, of discipline. It's a discipline to do the right thing over and over again. When we think of being a disciple of Jesus, it means we have a long obedience in the same direction. That even the things that seem mundane are important as we contend to keep our eyes fixed on him. And so he's rejoicing that they have a good discipline, they have a good order, and that there's a firmness of faith in Christ, that there's a strength that they're an, a strong outpost, not because of their own abilities, but because of their faith in Christ who holds them together. And he's saying this is what's going to help you contend against those, uh, those deluded, uh, deluding you with plausible arguments. This is what's going to help you stand against the false teachings and ideologies that push against you. We're going to see Paul take this even further next week as he talks around not being held captive to kind of the philosophies of the world. And we're going to explore what that looks like a little bit more. But what he's saying here is that we have to go back to Jesus and we, go, and we only move forward when we move forward in Jesus. And so this church is to contend with courage, connection, and confidence in Christ in the same way that we are to contend with courage, connection, and confidence in Christ. And when we step forward in this, then we walk in the way of wisdom. For the way of wisdom is the way of Jesus. But what does this look like for us? What does it look like for us to walk in this way of of wisdom, this way of of life that seems so contrary to what we see around us, that we are to contend, that we're to wrestle, we're to struggle with courage, with connection to Christ and those around us, and with a confidence in him? Well, there's, there's one thing that I think needs to be abundantly clear when it comes to this. Christ is not a concept. Christ is not an idea. Now, when we read the Hebrew scriptures, they would speak of the anointed one, the Messiah, the Christ, the one who was to come as this this idea. But now, that mystery of who's that going to be has been revealed. God has made it clear the Messiah is Jesus. So Christ is not a concept. He's a person. And, and not someone you just want to know about, but someone you want to know and be known by. Someone that you spend time with, that you talk to, that you learn from, that you, you trust in. And what we find is that our, our courage comes from trusting in him. That even in our fear, we trust that he is greater so that we're able to move forward, not with an absence of fear, but with a, with a courage in him. 
that our connection, that feeling of I'm not alone in this comes from being rooted in him, but also being rooted in community around us. And that our confidence to move forward comes from abiding in him. And so the question that I, I think, the questions that I believe are before us as we look at this, is are we contending for courage in him? Are we, are we walking in a way that shows that we trust in him? Are we placing him first? Are we contending? Are we wrestling? Are we striving for courage in him? Not to just be bold for our own sake, but to be bold where he's calling us to and, and in. And the second question is, are we contending for connection in him? Are we contending for connection in him? Are we wrestling? Are we struggling? Are we striving for connection in him? And this is connection with him and connection with others. Are we making that a priority? Are, 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 we, really, are we really setting things aside so that we can be in his presence and hear from him? Are we, are we setting things aside so that we can be in the presence of others, that we can share our struggles and our hurts and our wounds and, and have them share their struggles, their hurts, their wounds, but also their victories? I, I have to tell you one of the, the things that I, I love about being in community with you all is I get to pray with you and I get to pray for you. I love that. I love that you trust us with that, that we get to step and we get to do life together. And there are, there, there's times where those prayers just remain unanswered and it's just brutal and we're contending and we're, we're striving together with the Lord of like, Lord, would you answer this? Would you answer this? But what I love too is that within this community, I get to hear stories too of, you know what? The Lord showed up this week and he answered that prayer. Praise God. You know what that does for my confidence in him? Just grows it all the more. You know, just for the confidence of those who you've invited to pray with you when God shows up and moves, it just it encourages our confidence in him all the more. So are we giving ourselves the opportunity to have connection with him and have connection with others? Are we contending for that? And finally, are we contending for, for confidence in him? We're contending for confidence in him. You might be like, well, what, is, what does that mean to, to strive for confidence in him? Are we rooting ourselves in him? Are we abiding in him? What did Jesus tell his disciples? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And yet all the time, I continue to try and do things apart from him. <laughs> so are we contending to, to place our confidence in him? Not just with, with word, but in Action. I know I should trust in you, and so this is how I'm going to walk forward now in trusting you. I'm not going to say I trust you, but really I have seven other backup plans that I'm really hoping work out. Right? How good are we at playing that game? But I'm going to place my confidence in you. See, it's easy to run to the endless stream of information that's before us. It's easy when we find ourselves spiritually hungry and tired and beaten down to begin to drink from dirty water. 
But Paul is reminding this community that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. What we need, what all of us need, is found in him. What we need is available because of him. But every day, you will be tempted to forget this truth. Every day, you'll be tempted to think that he is not enough and your courage will wane. But my prayer is that in that moment, may we contend, may we battle, may we fight, may we take those thoughts captive and remember the one who has set us free that he is to be trusted and he has transferred you from the domain of darkness into his kingdom where he rules and reigns here and now and forevermore. But again, your time is fleeting. There's so much to do and every day you will be tempted to have your time occupied by lesser things. You will Push off your time with him so that you can accomplish what needs to get done for the day. Because there's just so much that you you have to get done on your to-do list. But I would contend that you have too much on your plate to not connect with him. So contend for your time with Jesus. Jesus. Contend for your time with fellow believers to lift one another up, to point yourselves towards Christ, that you may be knit together and rooted together in love. Because every day something will come that will want to rock your boat or rattle your confidence in just who Christ is. If you look back on the life of Jesus, the enemy attacked Jesus where? In his identity. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. If the enemy is coming after Jesus with that, you can rest assured he's coming after you with that. Do you really believe that Jesus is the answer? Do you really believe that he's rescued you from your sin? Do you really believe you're not just the sum total of all your failures? He's coming after you with that. He's going to bring that list of things before you time and time again. And our only chance is to contend and to bring ourselves before Jesus and to abide in him and say, Jesus, I need to know who you say I am, not who anyone else is saying I am. I need to know what you have done for me, that you have set me free, and I just need to rest here before I step into my day. So when we are overrun, when we are confused, when we are hungry for truth, let's not just jump to Google. Let's not just jump to to fill that void with anything that's in front of us. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And this truth is hidden in plain sight in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And if you're looking for the way of wisdom, that way is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. You pray with me. Father, as we sit in these moments before you, Would you remind us of who you are? 
Would you encourage our hearts to fill them with courage that we may bravely go forward in trust of you? Father, would you knit us together in, in your love? It is in and through you that we can come together as, as a, a diverse group of people experiencing a different things throughout our weeks, but we have this common bond that is you that draws us and unites us and holds us together. And so, Lord, would we take advantage of that good gift that you've given us that we don't have to walk alone. So, Lord, wherever we need to connect ourselves to others around you or take that risk, would you help us to do so with courage? And, Father, would you remind us of the confidence, the full assurance that we can have in who you are? That when the doubts come, when questions arise, that we don't have to step into those questions with with fear of finding out that you're a fraud because you are exactly who you claim to be. You're exactly who the word has written about you and you show up and you've rescued and you have redeemed and with that confidence be firmly rooted in our hearts. Would we recognize that you are enough, that you are the answer, and the the way of, of wisdom is found in you and in you alone. Jesus, we love you. We pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Christ is enough. That's a truth that we hang on to. And as we decide to follow after him, we contend for courage and for connection and confidence that is found only in him. And so this morning, as we step out from here, may we do so in him. That's a theme that Paul weaves throughout the book of Colossians, in him, in him, through him, for him, by him. He's constantly pointing us towards our need for Jesus. So may we look to him and contend for our time with him this week. I want to finish this morning how we've been finishing with this prayer uh, that we've been reading aloud together. Hopefully you're making strides in in learning this and having this just become a prayer uh, for yourself. But let's just read these words together this morning. And so... From the day we have heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in the in manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glory and his might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. As we leave from here today, may you know this truth, 
If you need prayer this morning, we would love to pray alongside you. But maybe you trust that all of wisdom is found in Christ. May you go in his grace and experience his peace. God bless you. We'll see you next week.